As San Diego nears an increase in COVID-19 restrictions, schools hang in the balance. While many schools have opened for at least some in-person instruction, the purple tier would delay many planned reopenings, possibly pushing some of them into next year. Here's what students, parents, and teachers need to know. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Decada, you cover education for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and by all accounts, it looks like we're going to be entering the purple tier pretty soon. But first, let's get an understanding of how schools have been handling the pandemic. What have been the strategies that schools have been taking while we've been in the red tier? Yeah, so one of the most common things that the schools that have reopened have been doing is uh, doing the hybrid form of learning. So only bringing back certain numbers of students, not all students on a campus at a, at a certain time. And um, that's been a, that's allowed schools to, you know, do all the things they need to do, like physical distancing of students in classrooms because they have uh, more room, basically. And yeah, I'd say that's the that's one of the biggest things. And then, of course, requiring students to wear masks. Some schools require all students to wear masks. Some only do the required state required, like third grade and up. But um, and then lots of cleaning, lots of um, lots of uh, signage and hand sanitizing, uh, hand sanitizers and hand washing stations. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say those are probably the three biggest things: the cleaning, the masks, and the hybrid learning. Mm-hmm. And obviously, geography and the rate of uh, spread is kind of why you're seeing different stories across the county. Can you explain uh, just kind of the differences we're seeing? Like there's a different story in North County versus near the border. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, like everything with COVID-19, there are disparities happening. So the uh, m- the schools that are in the school districts that are open now, they're pretty much mostly in the areas that have uh, not been as hard hit by COVID-19. So like you mentioned, North County, um, we see, yeah, so um, while... Meanwhile, in South County, which has been the hardest hit by COVID, and then also in San Diego, um, they've those are the those are where all uh, where the school districts are. Most of the school districts are that have not reopened yet because they uh, partly because they don't believe it's safe enough because there's just been so many cases in their communities and they don't want to. Um, they don't want to risk uh, spreading COVID at their schools if they opened. But um, yeah, it's just, it is easier. Experts have said it is easier to avoid um, or you would have less COVID showing up in your school if there's less community spread happening. So the community is really tied to the school. And if the community has less COVID, that gives a big advantage to schools. So yeah, unfortunately for schools and um, areas hard hit by COVID. Uh, it, that's one reason why they're waiting longer for their schools to reopen. Yeah. And also not to mention that, you know, it's easier to control an outbreak, say in an elementary school where, you know, a student maybe interacts with 30 to 40 people versus high school where in normal times, you know, 150, 200. Yeah. Because they were, they were t- teachers. They have multiple teachers. Whereas it's easier for elementary because you only have one teacher, one classroom. It's easier to um, keep students separate from each other. Mm-hmm. So let's say next Tuesday we get the bad news. The purple tier happens. Can you walk us through what schools have to do once we get that line is crossed? 
Yeah, so basically, if we land in the purples here, immediately on that day, on Tuesday, schools will no longer be allowed to reopen if they have not reopened already. So the schools that are open already, they're safe. They could keep, they could stay open. They don't have to change anything about their operations. But for a school that hasn't started bringing students back in person and hasn't started teaching them with their own teachers, then they would lose that ability to reopen. And elementary schools could still reopen in the purple tier if they apply for a waiver, which is the process that um, a lot of private schools and a few elementary public schools did um, back in uh, back in August. But um, yeah, so that is one way schools could still do it. But otherwise, you would only um, you would have to stay closed. But uh, schools would still be able to uh, provide services for students on campus in small groups. Um, so that is that something that the state still allows. And some districts like Sydney Unified have already been doing that for uh, students with disabilities or students with learning loss. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what are some of the school districts that haven't opened at all yet? So, yeah, so some of the, there's only about uh, roughly a fifth of the county school districts that haven't reopened officially for instruction yet. And um, like I mentioned, South County is where a lot of those districts are. So Sweetwater, Chula Vista, South Bay, National City, San Ysidro. And then there's a couple, um, Lemon Grove also it hasn't, is one of the few districts that hasn't um, announced a date yet, according to um, the County Office of Education. And so has, neither has Valley Center. Um, that's another district. And then um, Oceanside isn't open yet, but I think they're opening next week. And I believe, and, and then of course, Sandy Unified hasn't opened officially for um, in-person regular instruction. Mm-hmm. And the way that this system works is that it takes a couple weeks of you know good numbers for us to move back into the red tier, assuming we get into the purple tier in the first place. For schools, do they follow that same trajectory or is there a delay? Like, what's the shortest amount of time that things could go back to the way things are currently? Yeah, so it would take a minimum of five weeks before schools would be able to reopen again. So that's because we have to, we can't move tiers for three weeks. Um, so that's a three week minimum. And then also, once we, if we do get to the red tier after three weeks or whenever, however, however long it takes, um, it takes a minimum of two weeks of red tier good data to um, officially um, allow for schools to reopen again. So yeah, it wouldn't be until like mid-December that schools would be able to reopen, which is actually around the time that a number of districts are planning to reopen anyway. They're planning to reopen basically after the end of this year, so um, January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess this really all depends on the actions of people because a lot of the cases we're seeing now may have been contracted on Halloween. We're getting close to a number of winter holidays. Uh, if people you know, don't follow the rules, we could be in the purple tier for longer than that five weeks. So it really depends on how people act now through the rest of the month. Yeah, that's a real frustration I'm hearing from both school officials and from parents is that um, they're basically they're basically hoping and waiting for people to, 
you know, not stop contracting, uh, stop spreading COVID, like stop. Um, I think I hear frustration about, you know, restaurants and bars being open where our school, a lot of schools aren't still. And that just doesn't make sense to some people. Um, and yet the schools um, say they can't, some schools say they can't reopen until the cases go down. So um, I think some, I think um, some officials are hoping that if we do go to the purples here, the restrictions that'll come with it will finally like help lower the COVID levels enough so that it is safe for more schools to reopen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as Paul Sisson said on yesterday's episode, uh, the county did kind of flex its muscles recently when it came to rumors of parties for Halloween that were occurring in the college area. So maybe we'll see a couple more salvos like that just to show that the county is going to enforce things to keep you know, true exponential spread from not happening here. And uh, it seems like there's different strategies when it comes to reopening. Um, obviously, in the South County, things have been much different than other areas. Um, how much of a wrench does, you know, us going into the purple tier throw it into the reopening plans of Unified and the districts in Chula Vista? Yeah, so for San Diego Unified, they have um, said that they won't proceed with phase two, which is their next reopening phase where all students would be able to come back for in-person learning. Um, They won't go forward with that as long as we're in a purple tier, if we do get to the purple tier. So um, that's, yeah, that's already one way that the purple tier would affect a lot of schools. And then um, it's unclear how it'll affect the other school districts plans. I, I guess it really depends on, first of all, if we get to the purple tier and then second, how long it takes us to get out of it. Who knows how long it would take, but yeah, it would take at least um, five weeks, like I said. So if it takes longer, um, then it could spill over into January. And then that's when it would, I think, start affecting a lot of school districts plans. And then there's at least one school district that was planning to open later this month, La Mesa Spring Valley. So it could possibly delay their reopening too. Mm -hmm. Because if they were to reopen, they'd have to do it Monday in order to avoid everything, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's the Monday would be the last day for schools to reopen. Mm-hmm. And also a somewhat off topic, but, you know, elections on everyone's minds. There were two measures that are related to San Diego Unified that appear to have passed. Can you give us a quick update on those? Yeah, so they were measures C and D, and they, um, yeah, like you said, they uh, changed uh, they reform things about the San Diego Unified School Board. So Measure C is basically changing school board elections to be from at large during the general election, which means everyone in the city or ev- everyone in the district gets to vote on every school board member, even though they're not in the area where that school me- school board member is or represents. And um, Measure C changes that to be to district-only elections, which is where you can only vote for the board member who represents your area. And so um, I think the main art, the main reasons why people wanted that to pass is it's really expensive and difficult to run a huge citywide campaign. Um, And so that they think that deters a lot of candidates from running or it uh, unfairly um, favors candidates who are supported 
and funded by um, large groups such as the teachers union and um, they just want to see more diversity of perspective on the board and they think that district only elections will help to do that so um, yeah measure c is looking like it will pass it has um, had a sizable lead for ever since the results started coming out so um, and then yeah the other one is measure d and that basically adds a way for school board members to be taken off the board um, and so basically what happens is uh, if the school board if for, uh, if the vast majority of the school board decides that there's a reason that um, a board member could be removed, then um, voters will get to decide. So there will be an election held to uh, on whether to remove that board member. Mm-hmm. And that's also probably going to pass because it has like a huge margin. So, yeah. Yeah, it's certainly been interesting to see how unified is looking at just being more equitable across the board. And especially this year, it seems like they're taking the social justice movement that has been a national discussion really seriously. Yeah, um, they've been adopting several changes um, in a matter of weeks. Um, They did, they adopted a bunch of changes to grading um, recently, and they also did um, made some changes to their discipline policy to be more uh, to be less punitive in both cases. So, um, yeah, they're doing a lot of, a, a lot of changes in work. Um, and it's meant to, yeah, those changes are meant to address racial inequities. And so, yeah, they're, they're pretty busy with that right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Krista Decada, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. San Diego News Fix is a production of the San Diego Union Tribune. Our team includes myself and Nina Guerin. This podcast editor is digital creative director, Beto Alvarez. If you want to join in on our recordings, like the Union Tribune on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, and you will see us when we go live in the afternoons. Feel free to ask questions by commenting, and we'll work them into the conversation live. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live this momentous time in history, truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.